there are many players, but how can we get all of the players to work together so we're feeding off of each other so that we're growing with each other because ultimately that's what's going to kind of keep the mission going. Welcome to Ecosystems for Change, the podcast in which you meet ecosystem builders who share their hardest won lessons and best advice for supporting entrepreneurs in our communities. I'm your host, Annika Horn. Welcome to the show. Today, we go on a little trip to Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex in Texas. I want you to meet Delisa Dills, who runs the North Texas Entrepreneur Education and Training Center. Delisa shares what happens when the work you've been doing for years suddenly becomes all the rage, but powerful players don't take the time to truly understand their community's needs. Delisa also talked openly about bad actors in the ecosystem who, instead of partnering with her, outright copied her programs. And she shares with us how she unwinds after just one of those days. Hear what advice Delisa has about nurturing community and becoming a truly inclusive ecosystem builder. Off we go to North Texas. Darlisa, if I were to come to your ecosystem, where would you take me? So our ecosystem here in the Metroplex is kind of robust um, because I am, I'm in what's called Tarrant County, but I've done a lot of work in the Dallas County side of things. I would personally take you to all of them. Um, I would start with the Dallas Entrepreneur Center because that's kind of where it started. Um, downtown, the Dallas area, very robust. A um, lot of influencers, Trey Bowles, I think Jack Hammond is over there. So the Dallas ecosystem has its own feng shui. And then we would go over to the Fort Worth side of things, which is the Tarrant County ecosystem. And we would have to start with the UNT Health Science Center. We have a lot of amazing things happening out of there. Sparkyard is one of our very biggest um, resource ecosystem collaborations. And then mm-hmm. I would end it kind of up my way, which is the northeastern part of the ecosystem. And that's kind of where I hang my hat and trying to build a robust platform up this way. So we would kind of hit three main areas. That's the Dallas side, the Fort Worth side, and then I will pull you up to the Northeast Terrence side, which is where I kind of play around. I have never been to your area, but I know that people always say Dallas Fort Worth as like one long word. How close are these communities? How do I envision that? And how does how does that triangle sort of come together? So it's kind of like an H to me. So if you think about two uh, parallels and it's kind of connected in the middle, if you would, um, depending on where you are in the Metroplex, it could take you anywhere from maybe 20 minutes to an hour, 15 minutes And that's kind of all-inclusive, right? We will not even talk about traffic because if you add traffic, that just (laughs) makes it way worse. Um, But the way I kind of see it is like an H. So Fort Worth runs one way, Dallas runs one way, and then you have all these um, places in between. So rather than a triangle, it's more like an H. Excellent. Thank you. That's 
that's a helpful visualization. Darlisa, I know that you've been supporting underserved entrepreneurs for years now as a small business advisor and then for the last three years through the North Texas Entrepreneur Education and Training Center. I also know that the early years you were doing this work without too much attention and then with Black Lives Matter and the COVID pandemic coming about, public attention started to shift more towards underserved entrepreneurs, which... A, I imagine to be frustrating in the beginning and B, hope it put a lot of funds and wind under your wings. But can you talk to us about what the early years were like and how the attention for underserved entrepreneurs has changed maybe over the last, I don't know, I would say 18 months or a year. I, I defer to you there for the timeline. So that's a really good question. Um, talking about historically, right? It was just a part of what I did. You see a gap, you fill it, you try to be influential. Um, if that's what you feel like you're called to do, okay, you get it mm -hmm. done. Not really even realizing that there was a term for it and that that term was called ecosystem building. So for me, um, I have to pay homage to my St. Louis upbringing of the Small Business Development Center, so the SBDCs within St. Louis. If it wasn't for them, I never would have really gotten an opportunity to experience what real entrepreneurship support was like. So, you know, I always shout out Kevin Wilson, Lynette Watson, um, Alice, uh, I forget Alice's last name, but Alice, she now has a, a business there. But That's who gave me my start, right? Marsha Conahan. They kind of were ecosystem builders at the time because they truly, truly poured into entrepreneurs. Fast forward, my family decided to move to Texas and it was like going from a world of like developing entrepreneurs to like entrepreneurs were a thing here. They just didn't have the right accesses, right? So I felt like prior to the work again that I was doing, it's just what I needed to do. It was a part of it. And then coming here, you still saw, even though there were a lot of additional resources and availabilities, there was still that gap of minority bias, people not wanting to equally play in the sandbox, if you will, mm -hmm. or just downright, you know, prejudice, just being honest. Yeah. So um, I started here with the SBDC and love them, right? It was, it, the SBDCs are a huge asset, but there are still gaps. How it parallels to post-pandemic, post-Black Lives Matter, yada, yada, it really is kind of frustrating because... All these organizations were getting recognition for doing this kind of work. And then it's like you have companies and organizations that do focus on helping minority companies. And because now there's an attention to it, it's like, oh, yes, that's where we need to shift our focus. And so all of the smaller companies, all of the smaller organizations, nonprofits, for-profits, what have you, It's like now you're getting pushed even further down because the major corporations now or the major companies, the major nonprofits are like, oh, and by the way, we support 
black businesses. We support minority companies. We think women should rule the world. And so now it's even more of an influx of a financial grab. Um, I will say though, because that was the work that I had been used to doing and being able to work in those parallels, it did make it easier for my organization in the during the time and even now. But still, now what you see is that now that these organizations realize that it is a thing, um, now they're just recreating what small businesses have been doing. So therein lies another problem again, right? So um, I think it was a positive thing overall. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. because it was definitely needed. Very excited yeah. to say that now is the time, but it just kind of goes back into that thing of, oh, now we're now because it's it's sexy, it's the thing to do. That's what's on the rise. Will that be the same conversation maybe a few years down the line when yeah. we're not having civil unrest or when we're not, you know, in a pandemic? So that's just my concern. Yeah, I share that. What I'm hearing a little bit is a lot of the mainstream actors in big business are finally catching up to the work that some of us and you especially have been doing for years. And secondly, maybe not going about it in a way that is truly inclusive in all senses of the work. So I sense a little bit of reinventing the wheel rather than connecting with grassroots organizations like yours to see how they can be truly effective which I have seen in other ecosystems as well. Yeah, that's that's exactly correct. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the role of the North Texas Entrepreneur Education and Training Center is within the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area? Where do you fit in and fill gaps? And what sets you apart from some of the other players? Great question. So our focus is always been to provide a layer of education and network connections to the low-hanging fruit. Um, So it's the wannapreneurs, it's the early, early entrepreneurs that, you know, they have the drive, but they just don't have the wherewithal, um, and they have not been able to generate the right connections or the right resources. Because a lot of times in that early stage, the thing is, we need to find a grant. We need um, access to capital. And it's like, but you don't really understand the semantics because again, minority entrepreneurship is hot. Um, So kind of where we fit into the ecosystem is we want to be the catalyst for those that are thinking about entrepreneurship up to um, low dollar revenue. So we would say up Mm -hmm. to $100,000 in revenue because there are a lot of organizations that do have programs once you kind of surpass that dollar amount. Um, But what we have found is that we have just become a great place for people to kind of start out because we offer a layer of community, right? So I myself, I didn't grow up seeing entrepreneurship. I didn't know what entrepreneurship was. And there are many people out there like me. I don't have a network of family and friends that I can just tap into that will say, 
hey, let me invest $25,000 into your company. A lot of my family still ask me what I do for a living. So, you know, we don't have that. Um, and so what the North Texas Entrepreneur Training Center strives to do is provide one, a network for people. Two, we provide a layer of education and not just the semantics of here's where you go to register your EIN. Here's where you go to start a business because entrepreneurship is way beyond that, right? We provide that comforting level of, you know what? I want to give up. I don't know what to do. So somebody help me, please. We provide that layer. And what sets us apart is I think just that. We don't look at it as a numbers, you know, how do we get the most people in to satisfy a checkbox? But it's really how many people were really helped through our efforts. And we do it through um, education-based learning because I don't know everything, but you know what? If we connect with a group of people and we're in a learning environment, that's just going to exude. So I'm, I'm like a nerd. And when the term ecosystems kind of came about, it's like, okay, before I start just throwing this word around, I need to kind of have a, a deeper understanding. So in studying just the ecosystem in general, there are major, many players, there's many different layers of an ecosystem. Some eat, some die, some grow, some produce. And that's how the North Texas Entrepreneur Training Center has kind of established its mantra. There are many players, but how can we get all of the players to work together so we're feeding off of each other so that we're growing with each other? Because ultimately, that's what's going to kind of keep the mission going. And especially for like my culture, and I cannot speak holistically for my entire culture. So that's not what I'm trying to do. But I know that the layer of education as it relates to, say, financial literacy or business development or even entrepreneurship as a whole, it hasn't historically been there. And I don't know if um, you knew this or not, but we just opened our expansion project, which is the Center North Texas. I have this shirt. Um, so the Ooh, Center represent. North the Center North Texas is basically um, a physical ecosystem. It is a flexible workspace with no offices, um, and the goal behind that is to be in one place and be able to learn, share, and grow. And it kind of puts the ball back into the entrepreneur's hand to say, if you're willing to put in the work, if you're willing to go that extra mile, okay, then here are some additional resources that will help push you further. Um, so that's kind of how we fit. I love how easy you make this sound because you actually hit on some of the elements of ecosystem building that I think are so important and not talked about all that much. I think number one, the aspect of building community sort of at the front end of that funnel of the very early stage where you don't even know yet whether that idea you have is a business or a nonprofit or maybe just a hobby that gets you really excited for a few months and then it goes away. So I think nurturing that community and giving options to explore is super important. And then secondly, something you said that I think is doesn't even come up for a lot of people is making those connections across differences, connecting people top 
to bottom, people who dress differently, who go to work differently, who just show up differently, being comfortable building those relationships and sort of doing a bit of hand-holding on the way is so super important because I think so much of the work relies on relationship building and for you to be able to facilitate that and say, you know, even though that person is wearing a suit or has a really big budget or a big team under them, they're still just a person. And guess what? He likes vanilla ice cream as much as you do. I don't know, but giving them something to talk about, I think that's super valuable as an ecosystem builder. Hey friends, while I have you here, I wanted to extend a little invitation. Join me over on socialventures.com, my professional home and place of sanity, to catch up on the hundreds of conversations I've had with ecosystem builders over the years. You can find out what I'm researching, which events I'm excited about, and how you can work with me. Grab my starter kit for ecosystem builders and join my upcoming masterclass, Ecosystem Building 101, at the end of February 2022. And now, back to the show. Darlisa, what was that moment where you realized, I can't do this by myself. I need to collaborate. I need to connect with other players. When did you switch from that mindset of, I got to do everything myself to, if we build an ecosystem, everybody else will be better off as well? I don't know if I can pin it to one defining moment, right? Because again, Mm -hmm. When I entered into the entrepreneurial spec period, I came from corporate and that was in St. Louis, Missouri. And mm-hmm. I was blessed to enter into that spec with those major players already. It just so happened that I changed my location and I was able to bring it to the forefront here in Texas because that's how I learned it in St. Louis, my approach, even like here in the Texas landscape has always been community. It has always been Mm -hmm. collaboration because the people that brought me into the fold, that's what they taught me. What were some of the harder lessons you've had to learn since you arrived in Texas and started out with your own organization? (laughs) Um, That everyone is not on the same page. And it's okay. I think one of my greatest layers of understanding is that as long as I'm operating in my God-given talent of what he has given me to do, which I call purpose, it's going to happen. I can't please everyone. Everyone's not going to like me. But if I stay true to what it is that I bring to the table, it will come. And Mm -hmm. it can be the best idea. It can be the worst idea. Um, But as long as I stay true to what it is that I am called to do, and that is truly being an ambassador for the wannapreneurs, the early stage entrepreneurs, the minoritypreneurs, those that, Mm -hmm. you know, have low confidence in what it is that they're doing. As long as I can be a conduit there, I think I'm okay. Another hard lesson is that, It will be replicated. If you're doing good work, people may not ever partner with you, but they will replicate it and it's okay. So kind of seeing it more as a pioneering call versus, you know, hey, they took that from me. You know, looking at it as duplication means leadership in some form. 
I love how graceful you are about other people copying your approach because you're right. Like in a way, it's a very big compliment that someone sees what you're doing and says, oh, I want to do that. That's great. On the other hand, that's not how we play nice in the sandbox, right? So right. <laughs> how how did you come to terms when such a replication happened? Definitely over two years, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, it has. I have had several moments where I've cried and wanted to give up myself. And yep. um, I think my faith is the one thing that does make me show up every single day. Um, I, I refer back to a scripture, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And it's just a reminder for me that if he brought me to this journey, if he's given it to me over and over and over again, mm -hmm. okay, then guess what? If someone takes it, he has something else for me. Uh, but I, I do cry. I complain to people that are close to me. Um, I pray all the time. And I think that's what keeps me afloat. I'm glad for every ecosystem builder who has found something that keeps them grounded, that reminds them of why they're doing this work, and that helps them get up again tomorrow and do yeah. it all over again and, and try to run up that hill that's really steep or maybe even a wall. With you having, you know, seen the underbelly of the Texas ecosystem and especially the Fort Worth, Dallas-Fort Worth area that you're working in, what is your hope for the ecosystem? Where would you like to see it go in the next 10 to 20 years? Great question. So again, there's twofold. So you have the Dallas side and then you have the Fort Worth side. I think mm -hmm. Fort Worth is right at the point where it's realizing that there is an opportunity in the area. So over the next few years, I see it being a vibrant, well-flowing ecosystem, um, inclusive, collaborative, you name it. And it stretches across Tarrant County versus Right now, it's mostly in Fort Worth because they're kind of leading the charge. But I do mm -hmm. see it expanding. And on the Dallas side, so Dallas is pretty good in where their ecosystem is. They're a, li a little bit ahead of Fort Worth. But mm -hmm. what I personally would like to see from the Dallas side is less of the influencer type connectivity and more of the inclusion Is it inclusive? Yes, but I need it to be like deeply inclusive and not just inclusive of those that hold status, if that makes sense. So I think the Dallas-Fort Worth market does set a tone for being kind of, you know, in that top playing field of mm -hmm. ecosystem building. We have some major players here that are awesome. Um, they listen. They're hearing it. They're seeing it. And I do believe um, they are on track to make it a great ecosystem. I'm just very fortunate and, you know, grateful to be a part of it. Um, and I'm just, you know, a little, little cog in the wheel. So I'm I'm excited to be a part of it. I got to say they're they're very fortunate to have you. Be, be a small part of the bigger ecosystem. I realize this is a little bit of Pandora's box, but I also know that a lot of ecosystem builders struggle with this of, yeah, they're inclusive, but what does real inclusion look like? 
to what extent is it different? If you had your way and you got to design it and you got to just implement all the changes you want to see in your ecosystem, how would you approach it differently or which things would you change? One of the major changes is a lot of times people that are in a position to offer change, they feel like they know what's needed in order to make an impact to a certain community or what have you, but they don't have any experience in that world. So they're making decisions based on their thoughts and opinions versus truly getting in there and finding out what the need is. You know, it's not just about a poster of a mixed individual or a black person or Mm -hmm. an Asian or a Hispanic. What have you done to collaborate with that business? What have you done to push that business forward to put them in front of the major players? What have you done to showcase their work? Now, there are some entities that do a really good job of that. But holistically, it's like, we don't need just another poster of you showing a a minority individual. How have you helped that individual? We don't need you on a picture with them to say, hey, look, I support minority companies. What needs to happen is push those companies forward and don't just throw money at them, right? You can give them money. Yes, people love money. But if you're giving money to something that's not well structured, you're kind of setting them up to fail. You know, that's not cool. So I think more when we talk about that deeper inclusion, don't just solve it at the base. Like dig in. If you are at a table, don't just invite them to the table. Like help them understand what they're eating. Allow them to bring a plate, you know, allow them to bring a dish to the table. Like potluck versus, you know, random. Here's what we're serving. Oh, great. Darlisa's in the room. She's our minority, you know, representative type thing. Check the box. Thank you for sharing that, Darlisa. Um, I know that many ecosystems have a long way to go. And I hope that this conversation can help nudge that to the top once more. Um, Allow me to change direction a little bit. You've already brought up your faith as being one of those foundations that allow you to do the work. What else needs to be in place for you to do this work sustainably and without burning out? Support and genuine support. Because Dallas-Fort Worth is a really robust platform, there are mechanisms in place to help, to offer resource, but understanding, again, kind of going back to my other statement, Mm -hmm. not just kind of thinking you know what the need is, but digging in a little bit and supporting based on what the true need is. Um, And again, there are some organizations that really do that. And Mm -hmm. I think for me, just utilizing us for what we represent and not recreating, right? So no, we can't take on 
everything. But instead of, oh, hey, Darlisa, I think that's awesome what you're doing and tell me more about it and yada, yada, yada. And then three months later, I see you rolling out a program that's exactly the same. And then you're like, oh, by the way, would you want to be one of our guest speakers for our program? No, I don't. <laughs> like, why would I do like, and first of all, do I need to get my attorney involved? Like, I think that's kind of major. So people say they support and people do support, but understanding what support looks like for me and not assuming you know what support is and don't act like you're going to be a part of it and then you just go and recreate it. Like, that's horrible. <laughs> that's what we call a, a bad ecosystem player. We have a wow. lot of those I, too. <laughs> I, I think every ecosystem, yes. Um, I wish the listeners could have seen me bang my head against my hand. <laughs> I can't believe we're still having these conversations and I can't believe there are still people out there who can say in good conscience that they want to help and the first thing they do is come and copy your program instead of partnering with you and giving you a chance to expand your reach because not only is there no way of copying a program and having the same outcomes, but what they don't have is Darlisa and the years of experience and the deep roots in the community. So I think you can copy all you will, but it will never have the same product at the end. And that's a shame because in the end of the day, it doesn't serve the entrepreneurs as well as it would have if if you all had partnered and brought that deep expertise to other communities or other parts of the community. That's actually confirmation. Um, I get that all the time. So thank you for saying that um, because that was one of my earlier struggles, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, they, they keep taking my stuff. But a lot of the people that we've served or the partners that we do have, it's that same thing. They can't replicate what you bring. So, and that's what kind of has brought me to my, my state of purpose, you know, like just operating in that because what's for us will be for us in the past and the lives that we mm -hmm. are meant to touch will come through our platform. And the partners that we do have, they're amazing. Well, they're, they're more amazing than the ones who don't partner and <laughs> copy and steal instead. Um, I have to assume you have some hard days every now and then. How do you take care of yourself? So there's a couple of different things that absolutely have to happen. Um, mm -hmm. I have to put my headphones in and turn on like my best worship playlist. Okay. Because Ooh. that drowns it out for me. Now I am a music connoisseur. So there could be days where I need a little bit of R and B and jazz. There could be some mm -hmm. day, you know, but to get me over those days, headphones loudest they can be. And I need worship music. Then once I'm kind of out of that, I find a new restaurant that I can try out and I go by myself and I 
try the new restaurant. It could be a mom and pop. It could be a, a, a brand new one. But I'm kind of a foodie. So I go and I try a new restaurant. Then um, if neither of those have helped me, I just start kind of cleaning a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Because I feel like it helps me to take my mind off of it. But nine times out of 10, the new restaurant, my just time of worship music usually does it for me. Food and music and worship. I love it. <laughs> um, last question in this sort of along these thoughts is what does professional development look like in your world? How do you make sure you gain new skills, practice what you've learned and sort of grow along with this ever-evolving field? Great question again. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a learner just in nature. So I am always finding a seminar to attend and sitting on to pick up, you know, different nuggets. I'm not the biggest podcast listener only because I don't sit still long enough, but yep. I, I enjoy popping on a podcast every now and then. Uh, motivational speakers, um, just trying to stay in the loop on um, what they're doing, some of their successes, some tips and tricks that I can take in. So it's more so about um, just kind of learning from those who are ahead of me and taking uh, pages from their books of their lives. So that kind of does it for me. And then trying to stay surrounded with people that know more than I do. And just hoping that they will pour into me as often as they want. <laughs> yeah. And I think in a way, that's what you're doing right now by sharing your experiences and insights with the listeners of this podcast. So they can take a page from what you've experienced and learn from that, which is, I love it because it's very full circle. It's the give and take at its best. Before we go into the rapid fire round, I do want to let our listeners know where they can find out more about you. So they can either Google the North Texas Entrepreneur Education and Training Center or go straight to ntetc.com. -E I know you guys are on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and I will link to all of that in the show notes. Any other ways in which you would like people to show up? Flowers, chocolates at your doorstep, balloons to the office any preferred way all the above except for flowers <laughs> um flowers i love them i think they're beautiful but in my head that's just one more thing i have to take care of <laughs> but <laughs> but um anyway you know i am on google like all over the place so um any way you can connect with me i would absolutely love it all right Wonderful. Delisa, rapid fire round are three questions where you just fill in the blank for me. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Question number one, ecosystem building is? Needed. <laughs> yes. All right. I'll take it. An ecosystem builder that everyone should know about. Marco Johnson of Sparkyard out of Fort Worth in the UNT Health Science Center. All right, fantastic. And lastly, what is one resource in our field 
that has influenced you so much that you would want to recommend it to other ecosystem builders? Ian Hathaway's book, Startup Community. Um, I read that book and I had the opportunity to meet Ian in person. And I was like, oh, it's Ian Hathaway. Uh, but the startup community from Ian Hathaway, I think that is a great book for ecosystem builders. He is a big deal, isn't he? What is he, he like in person? He is so cool. I have a picture <laughs> of him and I'm really excited about that. Darlisa, time has flown by chatting with you. Thank you so much for making the time to share a page of your life with our listeners and um, I hope everybody else who's listening enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me and I appreciate this opportunity greatly. You can learn more about Darlisa and the North Texas Entrepreneurship Education and Training Center at nteetc.com on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. If you need a worship playlist or restaurant recommendation for Fort Worth, Dallas, hit Darlisa up. Before we part ways today, I want to pay my respect to elders past, present and emerging. As traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, I honor the Tuscarora, Shakori, Saponi, Okanichi, Lumbee and Eno people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water and community. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media. 